I'm your host, Bailey Sessoms, and you're listening to CEO Convo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs. So get ready for some candid conversations with top-level entrepreneurs, dropping gems on building relationships, dishing the raw realities of running a profitable business, and realistic strategies on getting it done. Hi, all my CEOs out there. Thank you for joining us today on CEO Convo. Our guest today is a brand building expert whose corporate clients have included GE Capital as well as Australia and New Zealand Banking Group. Her short stories have appeared in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and she's been featured in the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, as well as Forbes. With an MBA and over 24 years experience in business, she's also the co-founder of Maroon Oak, which is a free online platform for women entrepreneurs. Please welcome to the show, Pooja Krishna. How are you? Hey, Bailey. I'm good. Thank you. Um, Great being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks for joining us today. We're so excited. We're going to talk about branding today and more specifically building your brand. I know when we spoke before, we were talking about um, brand building for um, not only for personal, but as a business. So today's scenario is this. Um, I am an entrepreneur and I have been having trouble deciding if I should brand my business or if I should brand myself. I've been getting mixed reviews from from the pros and cons from each. Of the two, which which one is more likely to bring me the biggest return? I operate a service-based business, so I'm more inclined to brand myself. Any feedback you would have would be great. So, Pushna, if you can share with us um, as a branding expert, which one do you prefer or which one do you recommend? Do they build their personal brand as an individual or do they build their brand as a business? And does it matter whether or not it's a product versus a service-based business? Enlighten us. Okay, this is a really valuable question and always the most important part of a, any brand building initiative. And in the ideal world, my answer would be that if you can, do both. Uh, build your individual brand and also work on growing and in uh, enhancing your business brand. But really, if it does come down to a choice or you want to focus your energy in one particular direction, I would say that almost always start with your personal or individual brand. And there are several reasons for this, but particularly in the context of a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you tend to be the face of the brand. So that is a, uh, excuse me, you tend to be the face of the business. And that is a very key reason to focus on your brand because people are doing business with you first and foremost. Even when you're a small business or a startup, it is the founder credentials that most people will look at first. So your brand or your persona matters very much. The second reason is a little more practical and which is that an individual brand is always a little easier to build. It is a combination of your expertise, your ability and experience, but also your own personality and attributes. So it is a lot easier to both build and be more visible. So it's a great talking point. It opens a lot more doors for you. You can build relationships, sign on a few clients and go from there. Keep building your uh, business brand on the side, but focus first on this. And the final reason is that, you know, if you have a business and God forbid it doesn't work out or it goes under or you end up pivoting or changing things, what is the constant is you. So if, if you founded a good business and even if it was not a success, that's quite all right. It is you were the brains and you were the effort behind it and your brand stays intact and it helps you propel yourself to the new, new success or the next venture wherever you get to it so yes my recommendation is uh, focus on the personal brand first because you're the face you're the effort behind it and yours will be the force that will take your business brand forward Mm -hmm. does that make sense 
It does. And actually, I like I like that because with even with the personal brand, nowadays people want to know the story behind the brand. So, you know, they may feel like, oh, this is a great product. It does this. It does that. Uh, but even if you watch the infomercials, the people who, who are promoting whatever product they're promoting, they always give you a quick backstory on who they are. So you're not only buying the product because, oh, it has these benefits, but you also are buying it from um, the person and what their, you know, from their backstory and what their experiences are. If you're building a personal brain, meaning you are the brain, you know, you're building you, no matter what area you decide to go into or what business you may decide to work in, um, people are following you because, you know, that's what they, that's what they bought into. They bought into you and your story and not, I'm not going to say not so much the product, um, but the product was definitely just an extension of who you are. Absolutely. And uh, to your question on uh, product versus services, uh, this, uh, my idea, my suggestions apply to both, but particularly in a service-based business, when everything is intangible, uh, the focus on the personal brand building is a, should be a lot more. And yes, storytelling is always very, very compelling because uh, when you have a story or a reason, uh, the passion comes through. And that is very attractive and engaging to your audience because then they believe that uh, you not only know what you're talking about, but you're behind it heart and soul. And that's, right. that's an important part of uh, being in any business. And even from, I would honestly say from my personal experience, I've had, so I've owned several businesses over the years and, so, you know, some worked out, some not so much, but my followers have always, they they followed me. They've said, "Oh, Bailey, you know, I remember when you were doing this." To now, I'm doing this. But even though I might have changed businesses or added to my my repertoire, they like everything that I put out because not only is it authentic, but it's an extension of me. They've gotten to know me over the years. They've gotten to know my customer service. They've gotten to know the quality of services and products that I provide, and they know, okay, I like what Bailey is doing now. I know it's going to be something great. I still want to continue to follow. Had I think I took the other route and just made it more about the brand and not who I was, I don't think that would have transitioned or transcend and give me the longevity that I've had with new business experience that I've, you know, new endeavors that I've embarked in. Absolutely. You, as founders or as business owners, we tend to be the constant mm -hmm. and uh, once you do something and your audience likes it, there is always a trust factor and a likability factor that you build. This is somebody who I can trust. This is someone who I get and who gets me. And that's a great uh, founding point for any relationship because, you know, at the end of the day, we always do business with people. Something, you know, every one of us needs to remind ourselves every day. Like my company, for example, we have built a very, technology-focused platform, but mm. eventually it's the pain point of a member or a, an audience or a reader that still defines what we do. If you say then, so if the listeners say, okay, I should focus on myself as an individual, as an individual brand, so that way it can, you know, transcend to if, like you said, the business doesn't work out and I have to go another path or try something new, my personal brand would then carry with me. Where should a person start with building their personal brand? Like what is one of the first things they should take into consideration? Some people may say, well, I just need to be me. I just need to do me. Is there a certain way that they should go about executing it? So although they're remaining authentic to themselves, it's still being presented in a professional manner? Absolutely. I think the first part of uh, building any personal brand starts with what I call a self-assessment or a self-audit. Okay. Identify what you stand for. And uh, one of the ways I like doing this is KSAO, which stands for what is your knowledge, mm -hmm. S for identify the skills, A for aptitude, persona, personality, and finally, all the other fun factors that you bring in, into your personality or into your communication. So once you identify what you stand for and what 
skills and value that you can offer to other people, it becomes a lot easier to know your brand story. Yes, there is a lot of other pieces that go into it, and we will talk about it a little bit more, particularly the role of technology and social media. But having an honest insight into yourself is, is a really critical starting point. And, you know, even assume that you have a great brand, you're well-known, you have this huge Twitter following, and people love your work. We change, our personalities evolve, our business, and our goals keep changing. So it's always a good idea to do this and revisit this self-assessment every so often mm -hmm. so that we are very clear on what we uh, stand for. Having done that, having identified yourself, I think the step, second step is how you actually show up and present and communicate what you do. And that's a great part of uh, your brand. You can be really awesome, but it doesn't matter if people can't find you. So being findable is a very important part. Okay. And I can talk a little bit more, but do you have a, any specific questions on part one? Yeah, I do. I wanted to I wanted to know when you said that you should, you know, you should start with your self-assessment and you should revisit that. How often should someone revisit that? Is it every year, every few years? You know, once a year is probably not a bad option. Uh, mm -hmm. Every you know, end of the year or the beginning of the year, things have changed new business or the business has changed or you're working with a new set of clients or there's a different needs or maybe our personal circumstances have changed. We've developed a new interest or a new volunteer uh, interest that we are working on. And there's always a little, these little layers to our personality. Maybe someone's had a milestone birthday and you've gone maybe more spiritual or you've had a change in your family life and you're now a parent and you're looking at the world in a different way. All of it is not about just clients, even though our focus might be business. A lot mm -hmm. of it is just looking at what has changed in our work and our personalities and our own interests. So just revisiting that, rewriting your little bio always helps. Mm -hmm. One of the things I suggest is a self-assessment can be long or short, but think of yourself as your Twitter bio. What are you going to say if somebody asks you in 160 characters or less, <laughs> what are the five or six words that define who you are today? Right, like your quick so that's elevator a great pitch. starting point. And it's also, it's a great, you know, BS check, if you will, because it mm -hmm. forces you to be honest. It forces you to be very concise. I mean, maybe my life is one great story or saga, but can I really articulate it down to the bare bones? What are the five or six words or phrases that define me? So right. This is a great, uh, great way to sort of be honest with yourself. And once we are honest with ourselves, it's a lot easier to be authentic with others too. Mm -hmm. I would say that that uh, that's definitely been a challenge for me. The whole short characters with Instagram. Well, I don't do Twitter, but the whole Instagram because they only give you a certain amount of characters as well. I like to talk. I like to explain. I like to draw things out. I like the itty bitty details of things. So sometimes that can be challenging for me. So I'll write something out, but then I will come back later to whether it's a couple of days or a week and revisit it. And then when I look at it with fresh eyes, I'm able to realize, oh, Bailey, instead of you know having these extra three words, you can just say this. And then if you know that that's not your strength, I always encourage people to, you know, talk to clients that you've developed good rapport with. Ask them, you know, for their feedback on how they see you because how, how people, how you want people to see you and how they do see you can be totally two different things. Absolutely. And that's a great point. Uh, how people view you exactly. They, it might be a completely different perspective and uh, incorporating that feedback or that assessment is very, very important too because we might think that we stand for one thing or this is where I'm a rock star and people might see you completely differently. <laughs> and that works well. To, to your previous point, in, uh, yes, uh, starting with a small or a summary assessment is a great idea, but then there's a lot going on with a lot of us too. So if there's more we want to say about ourselves or we want to do a, or a mood board or bullet points, 
at the end of the day, whatever works for every one of us to define our brand persona, it's fine. It's just mm-hmm. an exercise that we every, every one of us needs to do and revisit from time to time. Right. And I think keeping the message consistent as well. I was just using the Instagram um, example because you had mentioned, you know, the amount of spaces that Twitter gives you. But even let's say if you use all of the platforms, if I go to your Instagram page or go to your LinkedIn page or Twitter, you know, whichever one I go to, your message definitely should be consistent. I shouldn't read one thing on one platform. And then when I'm going to the other platform, I'm reading something totally different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you can, uh, there is a logic of, uh, of, there's a trust factor there because people are reading the same thing again. It mm-hmm. also, uh, it does two things. One, it helps recall because people are seeing the same ideology or same catchphrases everywhere. So they, it sort of reinforces your message. That is part one. Second is there is also a trust factor because you are now walking the claims and walking the talk. So it, you're a lot more believable in the eyes of your customers or your, uh, uh, even competitors for that matter, your mm-hmm. clients, your advisors, whoever works with you. So that's uh, being consistent is very important. But yes, while it starts with your bio, consistency uh, needs to actually flow through in our communication and messaging across the board. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if we are taking one viewpoint and then we're taking another, or we are just going, uh, today there's one product that we are focusing on then, mm-hmm. and then it's completely another service and something is forgotten. Or uh, if I'm very prolific in posting on social media one month and then I'm missing for the next three, it mm-hmm. definitely undermines <laughs> how our people see us and, it, you know, it doesn't inspire a whole lot of trust. Right. So, yes, your point on consistency is huge. And I think that's probably, in my opinion, the most valuable thing that you, we can do for our brand, and mm-hmm. which is be consistent on how we and when and how we show up and how we communicate. With consistency, with making sure our brand message, once again, is consistent across different platforms, how would one then come up with their brand story? Is there a certain questions, important questions that they should ask to make sure that they're getting their values of not only of, as an individual, but uh, from their company across effectively, or does it, would it change based on the individual and the business? But are there any like core questions that every entrepreneur or CEO should ask themselves as a starting place? Well, yes. Uh, whether this is uh, for both a personal brand as well as the fact that uh, if you're marketing your business or your company or your entrepreneurial venture, I think the one thing that uh, uh, we should ask ourselves and then communicate is what problem we are solving. Everything else will work around or grow from that. The minute we are uh, focusing on a solution that we are providing for our audience, I think... uh, one, the message becomes more relevant to the listener or the viewer. And second, it gives us a direction on how we are going to project ourselves and our work. So, for example, as a, as a company, if I stand for a certain thing, uh, to give you a brand example for, for a larger company, um, I had researched uh, a lot of the leading companies and I found that every one of them had one core thing that they were solving. So Walmart, for example, is always low prices every day. Mm-hmm. And they're, while they do a whole lot of other things, their entire pitch or their starting point is, I'm solving this pain point for you. Whereas uh, there are other companies like, uh, what does Estee Lauder do? Estee Lauder is Discover Beauty. They don't mm-hmm. want to say we have a t- we have a hundred great products. We know that we are in every uh, retail store. We also know that their premise is simple: discover beauty, and it it really means discover your beauty. So that's the message for the audience. We each of us needs to identify what is the problem that I am solving as an individual or as a professional, and to carry that forward, what is the problem that my business is solving for my potential clients. And once we've zeroed in on that, I think everything works backwards beautifully from there. I'm a a career coach. 
who helps you identify your strengths so that you can put your best foot forward in the workplace. I'm a social media consultant who dis- helps you create your, a kick-ass brand messaging so that your business stands out. Once that's the problem that I'm solving for you, and when I do that, I work backwards and say, this is my, my service portfolio. This, as an individual, is who I am. So if I'm a social media consultant, I have expertise in social media, and I have a presence in social media, and I have the knowledge, in-depth knowledge. And so every one of my knowledge, skills, experience works backwards from the problem I'm solving. I think we all, well, I know I do sometimes, I get caught up in the features and not the benefits. So I think starting from the benefit, like, so what problem are you solving? I think that's the number one answer, because if you're not solving a problem, you need not even to go and go into business. So, you know, with Hustler to CEO and CEO Convo, the problem that I wanted to solve was for other entrepreneurs to be able to hear candid conversations from people who are walking the walk and talking the talk and not to have other entrepreneurs come on CEO Combo and talk about their business, but basically help solve a particular problem or problems to challenges that other entrepreneurs may be currently going through. So once we've um, been able to identify the challenge or challenges that we're trying to solve, what would be the next step after that? Having uh, once you've identified the problem, I think that the next step is then to define your personal uh, your personal mission or message, or your company's uh, message, depending on who's you're looking at, or if you're doing both simultaneously. What is the what is it that you stand for? Your product premise, your service message, your individual mission or strength. Solve the problem and also the solution is, would be the next step. Okay, so I, so I want to tell you a story on this, that when we launched Maroon Oak, and yes, we went in with a very strong uh, passion to make it uh, create a connectivity and a workspace for women with, uh, in a flexible space for moms, for mompreneurs. Great ideas, great mission. And when we launched the company, and we had a blog which started getting readership, still somebody actually asked us and this was somebody we had asked to critique and that's your point on feedback from others how people see you and she read our stuff and said what's the big deal about writing an article about starting a business or being a mompreneur because i can easily find all of this on google and that threw us for a bit until we realized that it actually gave us a new mission we decided that we wanted to be the place where people came when they did a Google search on how can I start a business from home? How can I connect with other professionals? How can I build a great brand? All of those. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was a feedback and, you know, critique even, which actually caused us to redefine our mission and and actually solve that particular problem. Let me ask you a quick question. So when you got the critique, were they critiquing the fact that you were blogging about starting a business or were they critiquing about you blogging from from being a mompreneur? So were they saying, oh, you're a mompreneur, so what? What was the actual critique in relationship to? Well, the specific feedback was related to the blog on basically the, the collection of articles and resources for women or mompreneurs all in one place, which is what we were looking to be, except that uh, the... They thought this was no no really big deal because yes, there's a lot of information there. If I look up if I look up ten different sites, I will find the answers. And we said that is exactly our mission to be that one resource or website where somebody can find all the answers or as many as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's what caused us to work a lot harder to one create diverse kind of content and second to have uh, to be strong on our SEO so that we were actually findable on Google. Mm-hmm. And which is my, would be my very strong advice to everyone, both for your personal brand and your business one, that be findable. It's gotten a lot more critical with the onset of technology and the fact that whether or not we are on social media, whether or not we do business online, people are always looking for us online. 
Mm-hmm. And so, spell your name right. Like, so I mean, creative names can be cute and they can be fine, but if someone someone says, "Oh, it's such and such a company," and you know, kind of like Chick Fil A, love me some Chick Fil A, love me some Chick Fil A. But you know, when they, uh-huh. I, I will honestly say, when when my son was growing up, he, you know, th- there's that age they go through and learn how to spell. <laughs> And when they turn into, they spelling chickens with disease and turning things every which way, I'm like, okay, that's bad. You know, that's just bad grandma, poor grandma. And my child is trying to learn. And he's reading that and he's looking like, okay, why is this chicken spelled this way? And I'm like, yeah, they're doing it for, you know, aesthetics and branding. And he's like, okay. So outside of that, so when you create some of these brand names, if I'm going to type it in Google and you have a Z instead of an S or, you know, it's spelled a unique way that makes it that much more challenging. And if I'm relaying it to a friend and I have to say, oh, Pooja, you know, you spell this, instead of spelling it loan as, you know, as L-O-A-N is a double N. And then me having to remember that to tell you that to make sure that you get to the to the correct site, that makes that step just that much harder. But I want to play Angel's Advocate for a minute with the the story that you just shared about the critique that you got with the with the blogs. Now, I totally get when people feel like, oh, I can find this information anywhere, especially when people pay for like these programs that people are creating these courses and they say, oh, I could have just Googled this and got that. That may be true to some extent, but the time that it takes you to Google all that and find the right information versus it all being in one place, you're essentially paying for the time that the person took to put that together. Now, in relationship to a blog, sometimes, yeah, your stuff definitely has to be searchable online with Google. I totally get that. So with that being said and that being understood, sometimes people want to get their information delivered to them a certain way as well as from certain people who they can relate to. So if you had a blog that catered to mompreneurs who were in business, as a mompreneur myself, I may feel a little bit more comfortable with getting my news from, let's say, a blog that you just talked about or another blog catered to moms because I know that there's another level of sacrifice that comes in because I do have a child you know, at tow versus going to finding something on Forbes or finding something on Inc. or some other or Black Enterprise or some other major website, provided that that content is written from a mom's perspective. Now, I will say, and I'm sure you will agree, business is business at the end of the day. There's certain things that are going to remain constant. But if someone is writing content and they are intentional about injecting perspectives or maybe shortcuts or maybe things Um, Like if you have to pick your kid up from school at 3 or 3.30 and there are certain things that you want to do and there are certain things and you're breaking it down to say, okay, I know you might have to take a break at this time to do this or do that. But creating or not creating but presenting ways where as a mom I can still, you know, be successful and still make millions but you're giving me these tidbits that corporate America folks with no kids and no Um, responsibilities wouldn't be able to relate to. Absolutely. Relevance is uh, definitely key. And when it comes from somebody who's in the business, if you so to speak, it's both more credible and frankly, the ideas would also be more relatable. So agree to all of that. But I'm also going to take it a step further and say that Providing not just advice or a blog article, but just the entire solution from the perspective of your audience is important. Uh, What are the pain points that you're addressing? And, uh, you know, I'm shifting gears a little bit more towards the company side of it, that as a business, what are the pain points that you're solving? In my case, in my company's case, our audience largely is mompreneurs. It's young women, millennial women, uh, people who live in, who are very qualified, but they live in remote locations, you know, maybe the interior Wyoming or or places where there's not a whole lot of large companies, but they, but they are very skilled. What do they need? They need good advice to start a scale a business. They need freelance opportunities. They need ready done for me solutions like, Can you give me a checklist on what should I do when I'm starting a business? Or how do I give me five points to uh, assess my LinkedIn profile and so on and so forth. 
where can I find jobs that let me work anywhere in a remote position? All of these. So through a process of constant research, focus group interviews, reading content on social media, advice, feedback, we've been focusing on the pain points and refining what we do and how we offer it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, uh, the answer is, if you are uh, writing for a mompreneur or you're offering a solution to a young woman who works elsewhere, or you're speaking to a parent, come from a place of knowledge, have the ideas, have the experience. And if you don't, get somebody on board who can help you do that because if the solution or the answer doesn't make sense to your reader, they aren't going to stick with you. Right. So that goes back to knowing your target audience, but then at the same time being relatable. So although you may say, oh, I'm going to, you know, cater towards mompreneurs, if you're not relatable or if you come from a preachy perspective or, you know, and although you may have great things to say, but your message isn't resonating with um, your target audience, that would, and I guess that was my initial question. I was just wondering if the initial articles that you were writing, did they feel like it was just general articles that they could just find anywhere? Or did they feel like because you were targeting moms, did they feel like it just wasn't resonating with them? I think I think the challenge was more that they didn't feel that the content was necessarily unique. Okay. But okay. I think, uh, but I have to tell you that this has a happy ending that a few years down the line, uh, the person who told us this is not only one of our top supporters, but also an advocate because uh, she has helped spread the message. And we still, you know, go back to her and we say we value the advice. So anytime uh, you have feedback, and especially negative feedback, uh, don't hold back because it's your audience who keep you honest and who make keep you better. And I think as a, a good part of a brand is to be uh, to be open to feedback to not mm-hmm. always take it personally. You know, sometimes it can hurt because you put your life and soul into building your business or putting forth your per- persona. And if people don't think you're good enough, it can hurt. But uh, but if you can put it to good use or channel it the right way, I think the gains can be awesome. <laughs> sometimes in branding yourself, you have to sometimes look at what's going on in the industry and see how you can change it. And I don't want to go as far as to say disrupt it, but if you see that there's something that's not working, when it's time to launch your brand or to rebrand, you need to pay close attention. Pay close attention to what people are saying. Sometimes you got to change. And what you started at the beginning of the year doing, like you said, when you do the reassessment at the end of the year, you may found that there were some things that you thought were going to work that weren't working, and there's some things that you didn't think they were going to work that are working. Absolutely. And and markets and consumer needs keep evolving too. There was a time everyone said, social media will get you all the traffic you want. And that changed. And then they said, you need to pay pay to play because everyone was in social. It was getting competitive. It was harder to reach. Engagement was tougher. And yet, and then after that, the market has, or markets have evolved differently. Today, it's all about peer influence. It's all about reviews. It's all about what the audience is saying or, you know, even user-generated content. So people are more likely to believe their peers than they are necessarily likely to believe the top brand. And that's how the market is evolving. And what they're saying is that in the next decade, social media is set to evolve in yet another different way. And we're going to discover that too. The point, therefore, being that uh, one eye to one, sorry, one year to the ground is very important to know what's going on, how mm. the trends are evolving, and how we are aligning our business and our skills along with it. Right. So basically changing when the industry changes. Like you said, having your ear to the pavement and paying attention to how society changes, because how society changes changes how people do business. I love that story with the whole blockbuster versus Netflix. I don't know if you all have heard that, but yes. yeah, yes. but basically Netflix went to blockbuster to say, Hey, you know, this is our business model. This is what we're looking to do. And this is what was around the time when blockbusters was kind of closing some of the stores because people were streaming, you know, you had on demand TV people. There were, there was 
the tide was changing on how they consumed their entertainment. Netflix realized that they obviously came up with their business model. Long story short, they pitched it to Blockbusters. Blockbusters wasn't interested, so they essentially had to figure out how they were going to put Blockbusters out of business. By the time Blockbusters went into the business model of what Netflix was doing, it was pretty much too little too late because now Netflix can, you know, control most of the business platform. Now, this is the kicker. As time went on, as the years went on, their business model changed quickly to getting it in the mail to then what? Now you can download it and watch, the t watch your movies online versus getting the CDs in the mail. Some years went past, and now what? They're producing movies. They're producing, producing an, um, original shows. So from that initial idea, it went from getting um, what is it, um, DVDs in the mail to streaming online to now they're doing full-fledged, top-ranking original content just like any other movie studio would do. Absolutely. And I think technology is a huge huge piece. In fact, I would even go ahead to say that technology is probably the most critical piece of uh, business uh, for all of us. I mean, yes, it is still individual. It's still our personalities. But if you can incorporate uh, tech in a winning way into how you do business, the game can really change for all of us. There's a lot of people who were coaching earlier, individual one-on-one -on -one coaching. A lot of them do e-coaching. In fact, uh, we have a member. She is a wellness professional, and she uh, does Reiki and meditation, which she would do in person and during classes, till mm -hmm. she found out that she could do online meditation classes and workshops. And mm -hmm. now not only is her client reach a lot larger, her personal brand on how many more people interact and work with her and her blog readership is so much better because she's reaching a much larger audience and in more effective ways. Mm -hmm. So uh, embracing tech or pivoting your business the way technology is evolving is not just for big, larger businesses, but also for uh, small businesses, individual business owners, for entrepreneurs, one-man shows. No matter what your business size, there is always some play that we can use with tech, whether it's social media, whether it's online platforms. Do you have a course you can teach? Voice search is the, the big number one thing. So if you're in the voice of business podcast, for example, mm -hmm. I think you're in an awesome space from a business perspective too. Honestly, and I, I sent this out in our first email, Hustler, the CEO, was initially <laughs> going to be um, editorial where there was a bunch of articles and stuff. And, uh -huh. you know, and I have a content development background, but it was just so much, especially with dealing with entrepreneurs and getting them to submit stuff. And it was just it was just a monster. And I said, OK, this isn't going to work. And that was and I didn't have to wait a year to figure that out that I figured that out early on. So I could have you know, pull tooth and nail to say, no, you know, this is what I told people we were going to do, so we're going to stick to it. Or I could have just, you know, been honest with myself, been honest with the, you know, with my followers, with our followers and say, look, I know we said we were going to do this, but this isn't working. Instead, we're going to do a podcast. It'll be easier. People can call in. You can listen while you're at work. You can listen while you're in your ride home, whatever is easiest. And then, you know, it's much easier to get, you know, other entrepreneurs because they're busy as well. It's easier to get you all to call in, have a one-hour conversation, share your knowledge with the listeners, and basically keep it moving. The sooner you realize this isn't working and instead of, you know, being pigeonholed into, you know, to that one thing, I think the easier running businesses would running a business would be and knowing that it's okay to make mistakes. You're not going to nail everything. You're not going to be, you know, 100% perfect, but the key is what did you learn from it and the willingness to be transparent, you know, with your customers or with your followers to say, "Hey, I know this is what we said. However, X, Y, and Z, because I think the whole honesty and transparency thing is definitely important, when it, especially when it comes to building a brand. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the downsides of being a lot more online and visible is the fact that there is much lesser forgiveness. One thing mm -hmm. that social media has done has made the world a lot more connected, but it's also made it a lot 
smaller. So if you have an angry rant on social media or if someone gives you a negative feedback and you don't address that properly, these are things that can actually be very damaging to a business or to an individual. Mm. On the other hand, um, I mean, negative feedback can always, not necessarily always undermine you. If there is, we get emails from people saying, oh, this didn't work, that didn't work, or something happened. So you know what? Apologies. Our best efforts are to do things right. But if it doesn't work, we are here to help you. And we are constantly amazed at how many people will say, oh, thank you. That's fine. Don't worry about it. And that's the, the trail of any negativity ends right there. So being honest and saying, or if you've honestly made a mistake, it's, it's okay. I'm sorry. We <laughs> messed up. And how can we make it right? I think that goes a long way because uh, if you make a mistake and you don't own up to it or you're not willing to make it right, people can actually, it can go against you and it can go against you in a very public forum as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something which can be very detrimental to the brand, no matter how big you are. There is, you know, the story with United Airlines, which everyone remembers. It is one small story of a deplane passenger, but it actually hit them so bad that their stock price at that time took a 20% hit. So even bigger brands are not immune to this. Right. You know, so be authentic, be, uh, be approachable, be willing to solve a problem. And that can really be a, quite the winner. Right. And be, being able to make a resolution. I know a recent story and I was, that's why I was laughing when you were saying what you were saying, because it was, it was with Domino's and it was just a pizza, but I pay with my credit card, but I always tip in cash. So when I saw the final charge with an additional $3, I've, it, was, it was a little challenging for me initially because I'm like, okay, Bailey, it's just $3. It's not, that's definitely not going to make or break your situation. The time that you're going to invest in doing that, is it going to really, is it really worth, you know, you know, doing it? But then I thought about it, you know, and I was just like, yeah, no, it won't. But at the same time, you know, are they adding extra money on the people's things like so if it, if it happened to me how many other people would it happen to so long story short I, I end up getting in contact we'll talk to the general manager who actually works at the store she apologized she said sometimes when the manager puts in the balance because um, the driver right in the tip she said sometimes the drive I mean the manager who's processing the credit cards at the end of the night misreads it as a as an additional tip and I was just like, okay, but what she did to make it right, um, instead of just giving me back my $3, she gave me back $7. So that told me, okay, because she was like, you had to call in to address this, so I want to compensate you, you know, for your time. So that went from me telling my son, oh, we're not going to Domino's anymore, to, oh, no, they rectified the situation. Okay, now I feel comfortable with ordering um, and just looking at it at that point as a legitimate mistake. So now I feel more confident when I am ordering from them again. But, you know, the fact that they went above and beyond to rectify the situation, that made a difference of keeping a client. Totally, absolutely. And uh, uh, whether you're a small business owner or a large brand, there's always ways that one, you can offer value, and second, you can set uh, wrong, set right or wrong, and make it better for your customer. And, and that always wins. This is, uh, it's the small gestures, the relationship builders, which are, which are much bigger than even the grand gestures sometimes. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else? I'm not even going to ask that question because I already know there's a whole lot else. <laughs> there's a whole lot more. <laughs> you know, so I don't even want to you know, sound dumb in saying that, but is there one additional suggestion outside of those that you would like to share with the listeners, you know, to start, get them start to build a, um, a good personal brand in this case? Yes. And I think we talked about a couple more points as well, which is uh, being consistent, that showing mm -hmm. up uh, at the right time with the right frequency or whatever consistency means in your context. And the second thing is being authentic, being yourself, because uh, if we are not that, sooner or later, our real side will show up. But, and, you know, that is sort of the final layer. But in, I would like to add two more points uh, in between, sure. which, again, are, in my opinion, are critical to the brand. And one is to be findable. Mm -hmm. No matter how good you are, if people can't find you, if they can't connect you, if they can't look you up, 
they, there is always going to be a little bit of reluctance to do business with you. You know, it starts with, are you findable on Google, whether you're the individual or whether it's your company? Maybe you are a small business. You don't have a whole lot of money to spend on advertising, and that's fine. Just figure out ways how you can be more findable, more searchable, and people just should be able to know a lot more about you without having to ask you. It could be as simple as a LinkedIn profile. Uh, most people don't realize that there's a lot of information you can actually put on your Facebook profile, your personal Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. You can write your the name of your company, your website, your social media handles, a lot of things. And if I look you up, and even if we are not friends on Facebook, I can get a quick assessment or a quick idea on what you do and where else I can look you up. Let me just inject this real quick. Not only just being findable, but even with your current clients, ask them to share because that's another way of being findable. If they're if they're sharing um, and posting your stuff and they've had this, a great experience with you, ask them to share that on social media because then when other people read that, they're like, oh, wow, you know, I was looking for this. This person said it was great and they already have a relationship with the person who posted it. That's a, That's almost a guaranteed new client. Absolutely. Uh, that is, uh, uh, reviews are, again, a great way. And because it's a testimonial, it's an opinion of another person, people do tend to value it a lot. The other thing I would recommend is that find ways to stand out. A lot of people are in similar competing businesses. So if you're working with an, a repeat customer or it's a referral, things are easier. But with, an, with somebody new, how do you ensure or how do you work to, in such a way that your offering or your positioning stands out a little bit more? Now, there, this is really not a science, but more of an art because it takes work on figuring out what is your unique proposition. Mm-hmm. But it is well worth the work to do that because then you isolate yourself and say, my strength lies in this. It right. may be a small strength, but it, can, but it should be a tangible one. And not only should it be tangible, but it shouldn't be a gimmick because some people to stand out, they feel like, oh, they need to be over the top or they need to have a gimmick. But then that may, you know, be good initially. But when people realize, oh, that's not you and you're not being authentic to who you are, then you lose them just as quickly. Very much so. In fact, I'd like to share an example of uh, somebody whose work I came across on uh, on different Facebook groups. And this person had a, a slightly tragic uh, personal backstory of abuse, of suffering, of single parenthood. And it was extremely well articulated and very touching. And the first few times she shared that, the response was overwhelming in terms of both support and people said, how can we work with you? How can, you know, referring you to so-and-so, et cetera. So she got a lot of response. But over time, uh, a lot of us realized that it was the same post and it was actually a marketing tool. So uh, a very tragic personal story became not a, just a backstory or an about me, but it actually became a marketing gimmick. And which is when people still were understanding and empathetic, but the leads or the that kind of help sort of started drying up. And we right. need to keep that in mind that... Uh, that it can be, as you rightly said, a uh, standout factor can very easily become a tactic or a gimmick, and that's something we should probably stay away from. I mean, if it is adversity, it should be a part of uh, your backstory and what inspires you or what makes you passionate about that. But it, but that, in uh, very simple terms, can't be your marketing tool. You can say, I suffered, and that has motivated me to help somebody or create this or even create a business or market this. Or I've written a book and please buy it. And that's all right. But that can't be the focus of our main marketing message because uh, that can only go so far with your audience. One final uh, suggestion I would have uh, for everyone, and if you can, is that in your personal brand, it's okay or I highly recommend embracing a fun side to you personal side to you. As a business, uh, you can take on a humane cause. As an individual, you can have a volunteer cause or even, like I said, a fun side, whether you incorporate humor, something adventurous, family, anything, any element that truly personalizes your interaction with your audience. 
some people are uh, are very personal they would rather not talk about themselves and that's okay figure out a wire media on how you can show a little bit of yourself so for example in my public social media i don't share a whole lot of maybe personal or family pictures but i do enjoy travel so my instagram is all about my travel and my, a few stories around that so anything that shows a personal fun engaged human side of you is very important again it takes a little bit of work but uh, i think it just connects you to people a lot better in a more engaging and a more longer lasting way so puja with all of that being said what would be the three power plays that you would um, suggest that our listeners take to move closer to building a successful personal brand yeah i mean all, all of what we talked about and the synthesis of that would be number one is that your uh, brand personal or business should show expertise and offer value solve the problem and do that without bragging so show show your prowess without bragging and humble brag doesn't count either <laughs> my second advice would be that while you do all of that engage however with your audience on a personal and emotional level and mm-hmm. finally figure out the right way to communicate your brand message with your audience whether you're using storytelling embracing a certain positioning statement uh, sharing your message in a longer short way but figure out what is your best communication strength and how you want to share your message mm-hmm. so expertise engagement and communication and i'm going to throw in that bonus that we talked about the consistency so puja where can our listeners how can they contact you my company marunok um is a great way find us on the web at marunok.com we are also there on the top social six social media and if anyone has any information they would like or any question that they have or uh, something that we i can't solve i will be happy to connect you to somebody who can uh, and we you can always reach us at info@maroonoak.com that would be the color and the tree and our maroon oak is also our handle on facebook twitter linkedin instagram youtube and pinterest so you Great. can find us on those too that's awesome puja krishna i want to thank you so much for joining us here today on ceo convo and for all my listeners out there please remember that business is a lifestyle to use everyone but don't misuse anyone until next time thanks again for joining us this week on ceo convo visit our website hustlertoceo.com and subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode while you're at it if you're loving the convo we're serving up please give us a five star rating or tell a friend don't forget to rep your ceo status and order your hustler to ceo gear today Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of CEO Combo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs.